Hello, peeps. Time for another podcast episode. On location, in the mobile podcast studio, once again. We're doing big shit out here. We're doing big things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so last time I told you guys about kind of my... The first few experiences I had traveling, uh, going to London, living in Japan, uh, living in Europe for like six weeks, um, drum corps. We kind of touched on like my early, my most early experiences traveling. But this time, I want to pick up right where we left off. Um, so we were in the pandemic. I was sitting at home, feeling sorry for myself, smoking lots of, lots of pot, drinking every day. And watching travel vlogs. I'm gonna roll this window up. It's getting windy. High tech podcast studio technology. Wind blocker. Okay. So I was sitting at home, miserable during quarantine. This was March to July of 2020. Watching uh, usually solo travel vlogs. People like Bald and Bankrupt, Indigo Traveler, Peter Santanello, Santanello I think his name is, uh, Italian American fella. Uh, who else? All Gas, No Breaks, Andrew Callahan. Love all that stuff. Just because I felt like those guys are true adventurers, right? They're venturing out into the world. They're talking to anybody. They're eating anything. Like, going to North Korea, going to Syria, going to a Flat Earth conference. I mean, that was the kind of shit I wanted to explore when I was just sitting at home, smoking weed and teaching two hours of English every day. Um, that's when I was like, just fucking desperate to travel. Like I felt, not to be dramatic, but I felt like a living corpse. I felt like I was dying every day. Like just wasting my life sitting inside. And you know, it was for good reason. Like no one knew what was going on during the pandemic. That's fine. You know, I don't like regret it per se, but at the time I was just like, Bruh, I cannot live like this. I felt like I was dying. Just rotting away in my parents' spare bedroom. And I was like, dude, if if I die from this disease, like, I'm just going to be sitting in a fucking spare bedroom above my parents' garage. And I'll have... You know what I mean? Like, I, I was, I was kind of at the point where I was just so desperate to get out and to see the world that I didn't really even care about the coronavirus anymore. I was just like, you know what? I'll just die from the coronavirus. I just need to leave this house. <laughs> uh, you know, I might be ex exaggerating a little bit. That's how I felt at the time, dude. I was just like, I just completely stopped caring. So what I did was uh, I closed my schedule. I think I gave myself like two, three weeks and just completely closed my schedule. I was teaching English online uh, through a website called VIP Kit. It's very convenient and the money's decent. I'll drop a link in the bio if you, if you want to do that. You can teach from anywhere. But I just didn't want the... Um, obligation to have to wake up at five in the morning and teach Chinese kids and yeah I just kind of wanted to have an adventure with no strings attached and you know you couldn't fly anywhere this was I think I was planning this like late June of 2020 you couldn't fly out of the country so I was like you know what I got this fucking whip I got the mobile podcast studio I got the human transporter aka the Nissan Altima 2007 so I can just, I'll just go somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where I'll go. So I started asking friends like, hey, what are you doing in July? Are you busy? And one of my friends, Daniel, I was going to say his last name. Maybe he doesn't want to be mentioned. But my friend Daniel uh, had just moved to Texas near Dallas. 
So I messaged him and I was like, hey, let's hang out. And he's like, yeah, you can stay with me for like 10 days and blah, blah, blah. So that was really the only accommodation, the only plan I had. Um, like I said, I was going to live in Ecuador uh, March 29th of 2020. That's what my ticket was for. Perfect timing. So I kind of had this like urge to just fuck off completely somewhere. So, uh, you know, I just started driving. I just started driving. I was like, you know, you can't get on a plane, can't leave the country. You really can't plan for shit either during COVID. You can't plan for fuck all. Honestly, even state borders were sketchy. Like, I think going to Florida, maybe they checked your license to make sure you were a Floridian. Um, I want you to take yourself back to the USA in early 2020 when shit was hitting the fan. People thought you could get coronavirus from fucking Kroger grocery bags. I was wiping down my groceries, watching the news every day, um, just terrified of dying from the coronavirus, terrified of police brutality, terrified of a police state crumbling around us. Um, (laughs) What the fuck was I even talking about? Where was I going with this? Yeah, so you can't plan. Everyone thinks they're going to die. You know, end of the, it's the end of days. So I just was like, you know, I'm just going to drive. Fuck it. No plans. I have a little money saved from teaching English in my parents' spare bedroom. I'm just going to drive. So that's what I did. Just left. Went to Memphis. No, first stop was Huntsville, Alabama. Saw some friends, did some hiking. Then I went to Memphis, Tennessee. Got an Airbnb for two nights. Ate a lot of barbecue. And then I went to Dallas, where I saw my friend, Daniel. Stayed with him. Really just got drunk for like 10 days. Um, He has a nice apartment. Sat poolside and drank Trulies all day. It was nice. It was nice. Very, very thankful for, for friends like Daniel. But... It wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted a a unique experience. You know, I just didn't want to get drunk by the pool. You know, that's any any schmuck can do that. No offense, Daniel. No offense, people that like drinking Trulies by the pool. I also like drinking Trulies by the pool. But my point is I wanted to have a unique adventure. So uh, Daniel kicked me out after 10 days. And then I started applying to volunteer at hostels. Um, you know, sitting at home in quarantine, I was like looking for ways to travel for cheap and I found, um, trusted house sitters. It's, it's basically a website and I'll post a link also. I, I haven't used it before, but I really have wanted to where it's basically where you fucking watch someone's pets and just house it for them for, you know, however long it doesn't really matter how long, but you just have a whole house to yourself and some pets. And you just live kind of a normal life somewhere, you know, usually abroad, right? But um, I started searching for stuff stateside, and there wasn't a whole lot. I think it's mostly based in Europe. So I couldn't find a lot stateside. Um, So I just Googled, like, work exchange or, ah, you know what I did? I fucking went on Hostel World. I'll also post a link in the description. And by the way, I'm not trying to just sell you on all this shit. It's stuff that I've actually used or wanted to use, right? So go on hostel world and I look up Dallas hostels and because I'm trying to get like a work exchange situation where I'm living for free right so I just call the nearest hostel that looks cool it was in Deep Ellum it's called the Deep Ellum Hostel also a very cool spot 
uh, kind of reminds me of like Athens or like grungy, I don't know, like punk rock craft beer scene. It's really cool. So I called them and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but can I stay with you in exchange for like a few hours of work every week? And they're like, yeah, sure, come on in and we'll interview you and we'll see if you're a good fit. So I go in and I fucking, yeah, just basic interview. And they're like, yeah, you know, you can stay here. We'll let you stay for, I think I ended up staying for like 10 days. Um, and I, dude, I, they just gave me like a short list of shit to take care of, like clean the lamps and scrub the floors and like clean the air conditioner vents. And it was like pretty basic shit. And they let me stay there for 10 days. So that ended up being like a, I don't know, $150 value. So it worked out. Um, let's see how we are on time. All right. We're not going to devote a lot of time to the first part of this podcast. We're going to have to cut it short here in a minute, but I'm going to keep it going. (laughs) So when I was working at the hostel, um, I started applying to woofing. It's called Worldwide War... Whoa. It's like Willing Workers on Organic Farms. That's what it's called. Woofing. And you can do it in any country. You can do it all over the world. Um... So I joined Wolf America, and I started applying to gigs around the country. And I found this one that was based in Meadview, Arizona. Have you ever heard of Meadview, Arizona? You fucking haven't. And if you have, you're lying. (laughs) No, but it's just like some fucking bumblefuck town in the middle of nowhere, Arizona. Never mind. It's not in the middle of nowhere. It's near the Grand Canyon. It's like a 10-minute drive from the west rim of the Grand Canyon. So it's like on the border of Nevada, Arizona. It's kind of like a lesser-known part of the Grand Canyon. Most people go to the north or south rim because they're owned by the National Park Service, but the west rim is owned by some native tribe. So it's just, you know, no one fucking goes to Meadview is what I'm trying to say. So apply to this place. It didn't have a lot of information, and... Yeah, I just applied, and I was like, hey, can I come stay? And, dude, a lot of these woofer, woofers ask that you fill out, like, a fucking, um, they make you fill out, like, a resume, and, like, some make you take a drug test, and, like, it's kind of like applying for a job, right? But some of them are more chill. And that was Sunny. Sunny was my host at the Grand Canyon. She was very chill. Really no rules, no expectations, no job application. I just emailed her, and I was like, hey, Sunny. Can I work for you? And she said, do you have a pulse? Can you lift heavy items? Come on to Meadview. So that's what I did. I started driving from Dallas to Meadview. Took me about two days. Um, Stopped off in Albuquerque, New Mexico because I was very tired. Woke up the next day. Uh, You know, this is at about 6,000 feet elevation, I think. With elevation sickness, I thought it was COVID. I was losing my shit. I was very scared I had the coronavirus. And all of a sudden, all of my paranoia came flooding back, just like like old times. (laughs) So I got a COVID test. It was negative. And I started heading out to um, Meadview. And I get there, and fucking... I pull up to some trailer, and it's, like, abandoned. And I'm like, damn. Like, did I just get swindled? Am I about to get raped or robbed I don't know and keep in mind middle of absolutely nowhere right like I had no service nearest town's 40 minutes away in King Kingston I think Arizona uh really 
in the boonies, guys. Like, no paved roads. It's all sand and rocks, and it's really the desert. I was terrified when I first pulled up to that trailer. I didn't have water. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was in the desert. Thought I was going to die. But Sunny comes rushing over, and she's like, oh, I'm over here. Here we are. Um, <laughs> with all these dogs, and she's burning incense, and you can just tell she's a fucking burnout, dude. Like, right away. Old hippie, probably had taken too much acid back in the day. Uh, <laughs> no rules at her place. Just, like, feed and water the dogs and chickens every day. You know, smoke as much weed as you want. She would give us weed. She'd feed us. Um, obviously let us stay for free. I slept in a tent behind her trailer. Um, yeah, it's really just kind of sketchy situation. I never felt in danger, but I just kind of felt like I was wasting my time sometimes. Because really the idea in these wolfing situations is to, like, learn how to become a farmer, right? Sustainable farming and all that hippie bullshit, right, is learning. It's actually like learning something. I thought we were going to learn how to farm, to learn how to be sustainable. And we didn't do any of that. We watered her plants occasionally. I gave her dogs and chickens water and food. And then we watched Maury and Dr. Phil and Judge Judy all day and got high on her couch. <laughs> Needless to say, not not what I thought it was going to be, but you know what? I was just chilling. I didn't really have anywhere to be. I wasn't spending a goddamn dollar. I wasn't spending any money. Wake up, she feeds us biscuits and gravy. Sit on the couch, smoke her weed, use her shampoo, eat her food. It was, it was a great situation for me. I was just chilling, sitting there reading. I went like a week without looking at my phone because I had no goddamn service. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> it was a decent setup, dude. Like, I'm kind of talking shit, but it was decent, man. I, you know, I wasn't going to leave. I had no reason to leave. I wasn't spending any money. Um, <clears throat> and one day, this girl, Monica... Um, wants to go home. She has some, like, family situation. Oh, by the way, it was me and Sonny, the host, and then Monica was my co-worker, co-woofer, whatever you want to call her. <clears throat> and she's like, I have to go home back to Connecticut or wherever the fuck she was from. Can you drive me to the airport in Las Vegas? I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't mind doing that. So we make plans to, um, to drive her to Vegas, I think, over the weekend. And we make these plans, and then that night, Sonny's like, hey, let's go out to dinner. Let's, like, celebrate. You know, you know, Monica's leaving. You're going to, well, no, I didn't have plans to leave. She's like, Monica's leaving. Let's, you know, celebrate. So we go out to dinner, sit down, and Sonny doesn't have a lot of money. Okay, keep this in mind. And we sit down in this restaurant, and Monica, I think, had offered to pay for dinner. I don't remember. Either way, we sit down, and Monica's like, nah, I don't really want to eat. And I was like, I don't want to pay for dinner. I don't really have any money either. And then Sonny was like, well, I'm not going to pay for dinner. So we're all just like sitting there at this table. We just get waters and we're like, all right, we're just going to go home. <laughs> Sonny had offered to cook us some ahi tuna, right? Some nice fish on the last night. She's like, all right, we're not going to uh, go out to eat and I'll cook this this tuna and we'll have a nice little dinner. It'll be like a going away party. So I'm like, yeah, sure, great. And so we're on the way home and then we pass the Dollar General and Sonny's like, oh, you know what we could do? We could buy pepperoni and we could make flatbreads, put it on some cheese and some some uh, fucking bread. 
And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, flatbread's cool. So she buys the pepperoni, we go home, she starts cooking the flatbreads. And, you know, we eat the flatbreads, you know, but I'm 6'2", I'm, you know, 180, 90 pounds. Like, I'm a, I'm a thin guy, I'm very hungry, I have a high metabolism, I like to eat. And, you know, in all fairness, that was the deal, right? I exchanged my work for food and room and board. That was the exchange Sonny and I had agreed to. So I asked Sonny, I say, hey, how about that tuna? Like, can we eat some fish? I'm, I'm still a little hungry. And bro, out of nowhere, she loses her shit on me. She starts screaming like, oh, you don't work hard and you're just here to take all my stuff and I feed you and you eat like three men and you eat like a construction worker that's been working for 18 hours and I can't afford for you to stay here and basically just fuck off. She basically just told me to fuck off out of nowhere. Sonny and I had not had any bad blood before this. We had no, I had no reason to suspect that she felt this way about me, right? I thought everything was hunky-dory, right? I was working a little, I was eating a lot. Honest, I'll be honest, I was eating a lot, but that was the exchange. I thought she could handle it if she was on the website, right? On Wolfing, right? It made sense to me in my head. But out of nowhere, she just starts freaking the fuck out completely, dude. Like it, you know, like, so imagine if you saw like a rabid dog or like a stray dog. <laughs> God, this sounds so savage. Imagine if you saw like a stray dog in a dumpster eating food and you go up to the dog and you like pull away the food and the look in the eye they would give you that's my food. That's the way Sonny looked at me. It was terrifying. I legitimately felt like she was going to hurt me. <laughs> and I, I tried to calm her down. I was like, hey, listen, like, I understand I eat a lot. Um, maybe we could come to some new terms, right? Maybe I could work more or eat less or like, we can just talk through this. And bro, she just doubled down. She just got even crazier. She was like, just basically told me to fuck off in so many words. She never asked me to leave. But the next day when I was driving Monica to the airport, in my mind, I was like, I'm never seeing this bitch again. So I just packed up all my stuff and drove away. And that was the last I ever saw of her. All right, let's see how we are on time. We should probably go. We should probably go. This is going to be, this will be one video. So, you know, stay tuned. But I'm going to start driving now. And I'll be back here in a minute. Okay. All right. Where were we? Where were we? Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. I had just left Sonny's house near the Grand Canyon. So, you know, I didn't have such... I didn't have a terrible time in Sonny's house. You know, like I said, I was eating for free. I was staying for free. Smoking for free. It was a great setup. Um, and I know I come across as sounding like a bit of an asshole in the situation because I was using her for all of her resources. Which, you know, in fairness, I did try to negotiate with her. I was like, hey, listen, we can come to a new agreement. Let's work something out. And she was like, no, just leave. Well, she didn't actually even, she didn't even say that. She just threw a psychotic fit and just, I guess, expected me to leave. Because who would stay when someone is behaving that way? But, you know, I fully acknowledge that I was the winner in that situation. Uh, you know, I wasn't working a lot and I was staying for free. So left the Grand Canyon, drove Monica to the airport in Las Vegas. And on the way, Monica was like, hey, let's like make a weekend out of it. Let's like enjoy ourselves. Like I'll get us a hotel room at like um, Bellagio or I don't know, some one of those like nice hotels on the strip. 
Um, she was going to meet her sister, and it was going to it was going to be a good time. We we're going to have like a little send off, little vacation with Monica and me after enduring the wrath of Sunny in her trailer in Podunk, Arizona, for a month. <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, we drove there, and on the way, I called my friend. His name's John. Shout out, John. I know you're watching this because you're a real one. But I called my friend John who lives in Salt Lake City, which is not close to Las Vegas. And I was like, hey, buddy, I'm on the way to Vegas. It'd be cool if you could meet me there. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm there. And he just hopped in the car and drove like 14 hours to goddamn Las Vegas to see me. He got in at like 2 in the morning. And we just proceeded to gamble all night long until I think checkout of the hotel was at like 9 or 10. So we, I think we ended up gambling till like 930 passed out in the bed for 20 minutes and then <laughs> woke up to Monica like kicking us awake like hey get to leave so that was a good old time that was a great time Las Vegas was nuts man um, I don't think I'll ever go back unless you know I come across a lot of money somehow but just had a great time it's one of those like great American cities that I feel like you just kind of have to go to you know it's like Las Vegas Seattle Portland San Francisco, LA, Atlanta, Nashville, New York, Chicago, Miami. Those are like the great American cities. I'm sure there's some more, but I just felt like Las Vegas was like a must do. So gambled there, made $200, spent it all on marijuana. <laughs> yeah, weed is legal there and just got high constantly for two, the two or three days I was there. Also in the casinos, I'm sure you've heard this. You can just drink for free. The cocktail waitresses will bring you drinks until you pass out convulsing on the floor. Not that that's what we did, but we did drink a lot and had a great time. I remember drinking fucking Baileys and coffee at like 7 in the morning playing blackjack. Good times. <laughs> so yeah, I said goodbye to John. Like I said, it was just for one weekend and he had to go back to work. So from there, I had no earthly idea what I was going to do. Um, I think I wanted to like go to the Grand Canyon and go to like Zion and like there's all these great national parks near uh, Vegas, obviously California and um, it's just a lot of cool shit to see out there. You know, I was like balls deep in the West at that point. I had so many options to choose from. So what I ended up doing was driving to Zion National Park. Um, I bought a tent. I bought a sleeping bag. Um... Yeah, and I had like a cooler, and I just drove to Zion and just started camping. Um, I probably did that for like a week at like some like local or some uh, public campsite where you pay each night for running water. And then I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go to... Oh, before that, I don't want to get sidetracked. Zion was the titties. If you've never been to Zion, it uh, for me, it was a spiritual experience. I, I drove in, and right when I drove in, I saw those cliffs and just, like, how straight up they are. And they're red, and they're just such a beautiful color in the sunlight. And it's like they were made by God. I truly had a religious experience when I was in Zion. Looking at the cliffs, shedding a tear for how beautiful they were. Really, you know, and I felt this strong sense of, like, awe looking at them. And let me explain myself. I mean, like, I don't know how they got there. You know, I'm not a geologist. I'm not God. I'm not 
really knowledgeable about rocks at all. So I'm just looking at these rocks, not knowing how they got there, not knowing how old they are, really not knowing shit about them. But I just feel this strong, like, I don't know, grad like uh, gravity for how beautiful they were. I hope I'm making sense. I'm not sure if I'm making sense right now. It was like I was looking at something so unknown and so beautiful that I just was in awe. And, you know, you're looking at these rocks and they're so much older than you are. And they were here millions of years before you. And they'll continue to be here millions of years after you're gone. And, yeah, and I'm just some little ant, human. Just some little small piece of life that's lucky enough to be able to take in the gravity of my experience. So, yeah, I just felt, yeah, it was hard to put into words. It was a religious experience being in Zion. So, hope I haven't lost anybody. <laughs> hope I haven't lost you yet. So, I was at this public campsite, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go off into uh, BLM lands, Black Lives Matter lands. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, Bureau of Land Management. It's federally owned land. So you own it if you're an American citizen. I own it. We all own it as American citizens. But not if you're an illegal. Um, so yeah, it's, it's free to camp on. You go there, do what you want. You hunt, you fish, you camp, four-wheel, ride your four-wheelers around. It doesn't fucking matter. It's your land, basically. So I find this little campsite, set up my, set up my tent. So keep in mind, I'm still new to camping, especially solo camping. I never camped a night by myself, ever. So I set up my tent some near some creek in Zion. And Zion National Park is huge. It's like one of the biggest national parks. It's fucking enormous. They have all these entrances. Um, so I just drove off to some random little part of it um, and set up my tent. And I was ready to go. And I started hiking for the day, doing some day hikes. And I was like trying to do something kind of sketchy. I was trying to hike a very far distance, something like five miles or seven miles or something but it was like 3 p.m so the sun was about to go down and it was a very ambitious hike so basically in order for me to get back to my car on time i would have to bail on the hike i had to leave you know find an exit to the road and just start walking on the road and you know it's the middle of nowhere utah and you know how rural people are they're pretty trusting so walking on the side of the road and someone just pulls off and is like, hey, you need a ride? And I was like, fuck yes, I need a ride. And keep in mind, I'm like shirtless, like, you know, hippie, like, I don't know. I don't think I looked very presentable, but these people were just like, hop in, we'll take you to your car. Um, you know, it's up the hill and, and we'll, we'll, you know, you'll be on your way. And we're in the car and we're making chit chat. And come to find out, they have a cabin at the top of the mountain that I was hiking on. Um, and it's like their weekend home and they're gonna go stay there for the weekend. And they're like, hey, you should come stay with us. And I didn't have any second thoughts. I was like, yes, I am staying with you. <laughs> they seemed like affluent, you know, white people. Like I didn't really have anything to, uh, <laughs> to fear, I guess. I don't know, they seemed really nice. Um, yeah, am I, is that a bad thing to say? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Okay, so they drop me off in my car, and I drive back down the mountain where we came from to collect my camping gear. Drove back up, 
and met them at their compound. It was a compound, people. There, it was a gated community, but like rural. So it wasn't like super, super like fancy entrance, but still it was a gated, you have to have a code. You go in, they have like a private pond. It's, it's like a compound they have in the mountains. And I pull up to their house, nice big cabin in the mountains, no cell service. They have uh, one of those razors. It's like a four-wheeler, but way, way, way more badass. It's street legal, really great suspension. Um, they just have all kinds of toys there and like dirt bikes and and they're like, hey, yeah, um, you can stay in our house. Like you, like here's a guest bedroom. You can just stay here for the weekend. And I was like, fucking hey, that's crazy. Thank you so much. Please do not ax murder me. So, dude, it was a fucking great weekend. And I wish I had the camera at that time, but I wasn't vlogging. I was just like posting on Instagram. Um, but I cannot remember their names, but they were fucking amazing people. I mean, to be so trusting to just let a stranger hippie into their house. Dude, they fed me. They fed me three meals a day. We had dinner. We prayed. Mormon prayers. They were Mormons. They let me go to a Mormon church with them, but it was COVID Mormon church, so it was just like reading out of a Bible. Oh, I learned uh, <laughs> I learned there that uh, every Mormon in the world has a book that they read from. It's, you know, not obviously not the Bible, or they do read from the Bible. But they have an additional book that tells them what to learn every Sunday. So, fun fact, every Mormon in the world learns the same thing every Sunday. Yeah. It's definitely a cult. <laughs> but, dude, I will say, they were some of the nicest people I've ever met. They did not push their religion on me. They didn't get weird at any point. They were just cool fucking people really nice really generous obviously very giving um just world-class people man they took me out on the razor had nice little adventures and they took me hiking and showed me around and they pulled out my national park map and like plotted out great hikes to go on and they're like yeah go on this hike go on this hike dude just amazing people like i'm feeling like warm and fuzzy inside just by talking about them they're great and I think it just speaks to the hospitality of people on the road when you're not from there and you don't have much, right? I, uh, all I had was my camping gear and like a few snacks and a cooler of food and a map and my backpack. And that was really it. I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot. And yeah, I think they kind of like saw that I was trying to have an adventure and they just wanted to like help me. I don't know. They just, they were just really helpful, man. They just, they gave me so much and I didn't really give them anything. I just gave them my company. So shout out to the Mormons. Yeah, man, those Mormons were the shit. I think I had like kind of a negative view of Mormons before that. Like I didn't really know much about them. You know, I thought it was like a cult or whatever, which it is. Um, but they were some of the coolest people I met on all of my, all my travels. They were amazing. Ah, dude, good times. So yeah, after I split ways with the Mormons, I fucking um, just hiked in Zion. Yeah, nothing too crazy there. Where did I go after Zion? I went to Bryce Canyon. Bruh, just a few days after Zion, I went to, or maybe it was the Grand Canyon. I can't remember. I went to the Grand Canyon. I definitely went there. That was great. Hiked in inside of it. Hiked out. Um thought I was going to die from dehydration. It was all good though. 
yeah, Grand Canyon was great. And then I went to Bryce Canyon National Park. Uh, I had never heard of it till like all the Mormons were like, you have to go to Bryce, you have to go to Bryce. It's another national park in Southern Utah. It's amazing. So went to Bryce and I was hiking and some lady and I just started having a conversation. Um, I was solo obviously and she was solo. And it turns out she was from Georgia. So we started chatting about Atlanta and you know this and that. And then she's like, oh yeah, I'm with my husband and daughter. They're in the cabin right now. You should come uh, spend the day with us. And I was like, oh my God, is this happening again? Am I getting adopted by Mormons again? <laughs> they weren't Mormons, but yeah, dude, they fucking let me stay with them all weekend again. I think it was like just the next weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I told him my story. I was traveling traveling alone. I didn't have much money. I didn't have much of a plan. I was just kind of taking it day by day. And they took me in, bro. We went out to dinner. You know, they bought me drinks. Took me on hikes. They rented some, like, bougie-ass, like, red Mustang convertible. They drove me around in that. It was fantastic, man. Fantastic. The hospitality of people when you're solo traveling and don't have much, it is amazing. It will give you faith in the human condition. <laughs> if you watch the news and you're worried about COVID and you're worried about all this shit, just go and travel by yourself and you'll see, man. People are awesome. <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really reinvigorates my faith in humanity. <laughs> and yeah, and so I was like saying goodbye to these people because, you know, they have jobs. They're normal human beings. And they're leaving on Sunday or whatever. And I was like, all right, see you guys. Thanks so much for letting me stay. Oh, yeah, by the way, they let me stay in their cabin, which was in the National Park. And Bryce Canyon is, like, pretty high elevation. So it was really cold at night. So I was camping in this cold weather at night. And they're like, no, 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 come stay in our warm cabin. We have a fire. You can sleep on the floor. We'll make a nice little cot for you. <laughs> it was so sweet, man. So I'm saying goodbye. So I'm saying goodbye to them. And I look in my backpack and they had slipped in a hundred dollars. They'd given me a hundred dollars for my travels. Yeah, they just slipped it in there. I didn't see it until later. But goddamn, man, these people are just amazing. Like I would never expect someone to do that, but they did. Whew. Yeah, man. All right. What else? After Bryce, I can't remember what I did. Fuck. I think I went to like Salt Lake City and then Montana. I went to Montana, people. Montana was the shit. If you've never been to Montana, you should. Well, I'm not going to say you should do this or that, but I had a great time in Montana. Um, yeah, I went to Glacier National Park. That was like, it's been on my bucket list for years, ever since seeing pictures of it. It looks like some shit from Switzerland, dude. There's like mountain goats and rams and grizzly bears and black bears and all types of shit man it looks like a fucking fairy tale something from narnia like high altitude meadows and snow-capped peaks and you know glacial lakes dude it is inspiring the beauty there is inspiring so i decided to go and like i said i was on a <laughs> i was on a budget on this trip dude i did not have much money at this time uh, I was just like living off savings I had saved up living with my parents. So I was just camping for free every night, man. 
um, in BLM lands on the Black Lives Matter property. And yeah, dude, I think I camped there for like, bro, it must have been like three weeks. I was in Montana just camping every single night. Not really showering. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, another moment of generosity. I was driving into the park and I see a sign that says showers. And at this time I had not showered in, I don't know, four or five days. It had been a while. I was quite stinky. I was a stinky hippie. And I see a sign that says showers. So I pull over and the first person I see, I go, hey, are there showers here? And she's like, oh no, it's it's a motel, but the sign is for showers, right? So like the motel has showers. So see the sign for showers, pull over, and I'm like, hey, are there showers here? They say, yes, but it's a hotel. Like they're advertising the hotels in the shower or they're advertising the showers in the hotel. And I'm like, all right, no worries, see you later. And she's like, oh, but we're checking out right now. You can just shower in our in our room. Like we'll just leave you the key. Or no, I think they left the key with the manager. Either way, they were checking out, <laughs> and they're like, "Just shower in our room." And I was like, oh, "Okay, how do you how do you trust me not to fuck it up and make you pay a deposit?" I didn't say that. I was thinking it. I was not gonna argue with these people. They were giving me a free shower, so I showered for free. Yeah, it was great. I'm telling you, man, you gotta get out there. If you if you think people suck, just go out there and travel, and your mind will change. I promise. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was fucking... I was in Glacier for three weeks camping. It was a bit rough. I'm not going to lie. Because I went to Glacier in September. And that's when the weather really starts to change. It gets quite cold there. It's high altitude. Um, you know, it's right near Canada. The park shares a border with Canada. So it, uh, it was cold as fuck. Especially at night. I had to buy some special socks. Had to buy some winter gear. And I realized, not a big fan of traveling in the winter. Not a big fan. You have to buy extra clothes. You have to carry around the clothes. The clothes are heavy. The clothes are expensive. High-tech fucking jackets you gotta buy. And they're expensive. And I don't wanna do it. I just wanna wear flip-flops and not wear a shirt and wear a bathing suit. That's ideal for me. And I realized that in Montana. Cause I had to buy all this goddamn equipment Special sleeping bag for cold weather. Um, so, yeah, it was a little rough camping and eating. Because I think at the time, oh, yeah, that's when all the fires were happening. September of 2020. So there was all this smoke in Glacier from from, um, from California. So I couldn't burn anything. I couldn't, like, make true food. I had to eat, like, fucking Chef Boyardee and, like, hummus wraps every day. And bananas. I was really, it really felt like I was homeless. Eating Chef Boyardee out of a can and drinking beer every night. That was my usual dinner. <laughs> you know, that's the price you pay for long-term travel on a budget, right? Like, I did not plan worth shit when I left. I told you guys I left with about 10 days worth of plans, and that's it. From Atlanta, I had 10 days worth of accommodation and Airbnbs and friends to go see, and that was it. The rest of it was purely just sending it, winging it every day, not knowing where the fuck I was going to go, where what the fuck I was going to do. So, you know, I was just near Glacier, 
And I was like, oh shit, it's getting really cold. I should go see a glacier before it's like miserably cold and the roads, the roads are closed. So I drove up there in September. Also, before that, I was in the hottest part of the country in the hottest part of the season. I was in uh, Texas, Memphis, the Grand Canyon, the desert of Zion and Bryce Canyon National Park in July and August, the hottest parts of the year. And then I went to Glacier when it was getting too cold to be there anymore. So, <laughs> you know, there are prices that we pay for, for um, what do we call it? Um, impulsive travel. There are prices to pay for impulsive, last-minute budget travel. And I paid those prices via the weather. I froze my ass off in Glacier. I sweated my ass off in the desert. But you know what? I wouldn't change it. I had fun. I don't like to plan. I don't like to plan. So, yeah, it's getting cold in Glacier. and But I stayed there for three weeks, man. But for about one of the weeks, like the middle week... Uh, it was too smoky to hike. So I just kind of hung out. I found shit to do in Montana, hung out in cafes. I found a town called Hot Springs, Montana. Shout out Hot Springs, Montana. One of the weirdest fucking places I've ever been. So strange. I went for the hot springs, obviously. They have tons of sulfur hot springs. It's delightful. In Spanish, we'd say delicioso. It's incredible. You know, there's tons of hot springs in the town. Take your pick. There's a hotel there. I don't remember what it's called. Um, that all the locals hang out at. It's like public baths. It's really cheap. It's like $5 to go bathe. So I'm hanging out there the first day. And I meet this woman. And she's like, you know, telling me her life story. She's been all over the world and this and that. And she's just really um, affectionate. She's taking a liking to me. She, she... Okay, this is a little weird. She asked me to come back to her house. Okay, keep in mind, she's like in her 50s or 60s, okay? She asked me to come home with her. Not in a covertly sexual way, but I knew that's what she was getting at. And she asked me if she could cook for me. She wants to cook for me. She wants to have me over. You know, if a younger, more attractive woman had offered this to me, I would probably say yes. But being as she was a senior citizen and just coming off a little too strong, I declined. And she's like, oh, you know what? I'll just bring you some soup later. Okay, a little weird, but I'll take it. So I'm bathing, I'm bathing, whatever. And she comes back. She leaves, she comes back with a bowl of soup. And she's like, here, I brought you this soup. Please enjoy it and bring back the Tupperware when you're done. I think the Tupperware was the scheme to get me to come back. <laughs> I ate the soup. Probably shouldn't have. Might have been roofied, but it wasn't. It was delicious. It was very good soup. And so she gives me the soup. And we're like parting ways. And I'm like, all right, I'll see you later. And she goes, I love you. Excuse me? You love me? Okay, thanks. See you later. See you never again. I will never interact with you again in my life, I hope. Please do not talk to me again. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy one, man. And and the more time I spent in uh, Hot Springs, Montana, the more I realized that's just kind of how the locals are. They're just a little off kilter there in Hot Springs, Montana. 
And it turns out there's all kinds of minerals and elements and chemicals in the water that make people a little different. You can, at the hotel I was at, you, there's actually a sheet you can print off with all the minerals in the water. And one of the minerals is lithium. Let's take a minute. What is lithium used for? Lithium is an antipsychotic drug. So, I don't know. I'm not a fucking doctor, alright? I'm not a pharmacist. But I think if the water is laced with something that they give people to not be psychotic, I feel like it's going to make them a little, like, drugged, right? It's going to make them act a little funny. And people acted very funny in Hot Springs. Oh, by the way, lithium is an element. It's a naturally occurring... It's not like Prozac or some shit in the water. It's, it's, it's natural. But still, it makes people act in a strange way. That's my theory. Another group of crazy people I met. This one is legendary. All right, I'm sitting outside of the hotel, drinking a beer, like a normal American, and these two Native American guys pull up, and they're talking about... Dude, I don't even know how we got on the subject, but they thought that they were aliens. <laughs> they thought they were aliens sent from a different planet to save humanity from itself. And swear to God, they were speaking in a foreign language that I've never heard. It was like a mix between French and Spanish and German. They're speaking in this language and they're, and I was like, what language is this? And they're like, oh, it's the, it's the language of the ancestors. It's the language of, you know, the aliens or whatever. And they're like, everyone can understand it because we're all aliens. And they start speaking the language to me. And you know, I have a background in Spanish. Like I, I can understand Spanish words, but they start speaking this language to me. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Like, you think I'm an alien? You think I can understand this? That's, that's a flaw in your theory, bud. I don't know what the fuck you're saying. And I speak Spanish. <laughs> Either way, they thought they were fucking aliens, okay? And, wow. This one was a doozy. <laughs> they thought I was an alien. They're like, you've been sent here. We're here to help the humans. And I was like, alright. So, we're the aliens. Who are the humans? If everyone's an alien... How are we gonna help the humans? And I don't know. It was a very jumbled up theory, you know. But <laughs> Woo, Hot Springs, Montana, man. People are loopy there, bro. Whew. You know, I say that like I'm I'm judging them, like, oh, these guys are fucking crazy. They think they're aliens. But my dumbass drank ayahuasca and I think I can talk to aliens. So who's the retard there? <laughs> We're all just idiots. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> okay, one last story from Hot Springs, Montana. So, one night I was at Trivia Night in the town watering hole, this shitty little bar in the middle of town. And it was Trivia Night, and I walk in, and I see this family, and they're like, here, come play with us, come play with us. We need, we need an extra member, right? So I go sit down with them, play Trivia, and at the end of the night, they're like, where are you staying? And I was like, oh, well, I'm um, I'm camping, like, in the national park, right? I think maybe at this point I was driving back and forth. I can't remember. I was trying not to hike, though, because there was all these advisories. Dude, I was waking up each day with bloody noses because of the fucking smoke. It was bad. So I was trying not to hike. So I might have been staying 
I might have been staying in the national park at this point. I can't remember. But I didn't have, like, a legit accommodation, okay? And so, like, where are you staying? And I was like, oh, I'm camping. And they're like, oh, well, you know, you don't have to go back to the national park. Like, you can just um, camp in our yard. Like, we have space. You can come in, use the bathroom, use the shower, use the kitchen. Whenever you want. We'll give you a key. I just met these people. I just met these people, and they're going to give me a key to their Airbnb. Yeah. Fucking amazing, dude. These people are amazing, man. So I stayed there for, I think it was like a week, maybe 10 days, just camping in their yard, uh, using their kitchen. The kitchen was a clutch move. I was making bacon and eggs every day. I hadn't cooked for myself in like weeks. I was eating like real food at this point. It was fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, that was Hot Springs. Mad weird. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, wait, 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 wait. One more from Hot Springs. So one night I was at this local bar. And, you know, Montana's a bit weird, right? They're, like, in Hot Springs, um, specifically, it was, like, you have your cowboys, you have your rednecks, you have your Trump tards, and then you have your libtards, you have your, like, acid heads, you have your, like, drop, like, hippie vibe, real bohemian. It was a very strange mix of people. And so one night I'm at this bar, which I felt like it, at that, that night it felt like, a cowboy bar. It was a karaoke night. There was people singing country songs and yee-hawing and hooping and hollering. And I had a great time. The next night, it was like an EDM filthy dubstep show with people taking molly and acid and mushrooms and people with purple hair. It was so weird, dude. And also, by the way, there's cowboys at the show. There's like cowboys and old people at this show. I didn't see the alien guys there. They were not there weird dude so weird so i'm at this show and i meet uh this girl and she seems cool we start hanging out talking drinking and then she's like oh yeah i have some what did she have oh she was like i have some mushrooms and earlier in the night some girl had given me molly so i had like a capsule of molly on me she's like hey do you want to trade i'll trade you some mushrooms for some molly and i was like fuck yeah so i give her a little pinch of molly she gives me a few caps of mushrooms and I eat the molly and the mushrooms. Ooh, that was a great time, man. Feeling overwhelming love for everyone around me. Getting some nice tracers. Very colorful pinks and purples and vibrant colors. It was fantastic. Feeling overwhelming love for my friends. I was like on my phone texting my friends like, dude, I love you, bro. I hope you're doing well. So I'm feeling great. And then this girl starts, like I said, it's a weird mix, right? So this hippie girl I'm with. Uh, runs into like a friend of hers who's a Trump tard, a conservative, and they start arguing, dude, about abortion. Like the worst thing to argue about when you're on drugs. And so the guy was not on drugs, he was drunk. Um, but they just start getting deep in this abortion argument, dude, like bad, like they're making it personal. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm good, I'm out. And I just left. So that's Hot Springs for you. Strange little town in the mountains of Montana. <laughs> you should definitely check it out, though. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I had a great time there. So, All right. What's next? God, so weird, dude. So after um, Glacier National Park, my birthday was coming up. So I was like, you know, I'm going to fly home for my birthday. Saw my family. That was nice. I flew back. 
I kept the car in Montana at the at the Airbnb. They let me keep my car there for like I think it was like two weeks. I kept my car there, no questions asked. Amazing people. Shout out to uh, Nugget in Kalispell, Montana. Can't believe I remembered that. So I come back, and I had I have a family friend in Spokane, Washington. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go drive to Spokane. It's in eastern Washington. It's pretty close. I'm like four or five hours. Oh, dude, wait, I forgot. When I was at home, I went to a Trump rally. It was on my bucket list, man. I was like, you know, I don't know if we're going to ever have a president like Donald Trump again. Let's go Let's go see what it's all about. Let's witness some history. So I went to a fucking Trump rally. And you know what? I had a great time. <laughs> I had a great fucking time at the Trump rally. Don't support the president in any way. Really don't like Donald Trump. But I just wanted to see the cultural phenomenon, right? And I got to say, people were outstanding. I hitchhiked with a guy. Very trustworthy people. Um, Great. Just, I had a great time. It was like a music festival. It was really, really fucking fun. I mean, hearing Donald Trump speak was horrible, but everything else was great. So, (laughs) if if he's president again, you should go to one of his rallies. Next time he runs, go to one of his rallies. So, anyways... Go to this Trump rally, uh, hop on a plane, get in my car, drive to Spokane. And I'm staying with my friends in Spokane, and it's like a family friend, and then she has a son who is like kind of immunocompromised. And I didn't tell them I went to the Trump rally. I done fucked up, guys. I didn't tell them I was in a big public space, and the kid's immunocompromised, and the, the mom, like my friend, just loses her shit. She gets really upset with me. She kicks me out. Makes me get a COVID test. Uh, it was not. It was not good. Not a good time. Very, very sad. Very regrettable. So I'm sorry about that one. Uh, so I leave Spokane and I have a friend in Seattle and I was like, Hey man, I'm in Spokane. Like I just got kicked out. Can I come stay with you? And he's like, Fuck yeah. No questions asked. Hospitality strikes again. Just awesome people. I mean, this guy was my friend, Michael. Shout out Michael. But everybody else was strangers. So Michael's like, yeah, dude, no questions asked, just come on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was at a Trump rally. Is that cool? And he's like, that's fine. So go stay with them. I ended up staying with Michael for a month, a month in Seattle. I tried to pay them rent, dude. They would not take my money. Did you know what a month of rent in Seattle goes for? It's probably like at least 1200 bucks, at least. And I didn't pay a dime. I cook for them sometimes. But what they gave me did not match what I gave them. They gave me rent. They gave me friendship. It was like five people in this house, all awesome folks, intelligent, smart, open-minded, just cool fucking people. And um, one of the roommates had, uh, he worked at like the best bottle shop in Seattle. It's like Chuck's or something. And um, they have like beers on tap and then they have all kinds of rare craft beers um, in cans. And fucking dude... Every night he would come home with just handfuls of beer. Like four like a little four pack at this place in Seattle was like $35-40, dude. Like rare craft beer. I had never seen beer that expensive. Um so it's the night of the election. It was November, yeah, in November of 2020. And we were all preparing for a shitstorm. We were preparing for Trump to win again, right? We didn't know what the fuck was gonna happen. But the last time it was horrible, right? The last election. I had a terrible time. Um, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't really care how you feel. Like, I'm not worried about your politics. You can support whoever you want, but I had a bad time. 
So we're preparing for the worst. We're going to the liquor store or Chuck's Bottle Shop, and I get like two four packs, right? Because they're like expensive, right? I didn't want to spend a shit ton of money. So I grab a couple four packs and I go to the, the register and he's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, just take whatever you want. Like, it's on me. And he gets a pallet, a fucking pallet, and is just filling it up with beer. He's like, this is a good sour. This is a good hazy. This is a good nutty IPA. I'm like, all right, dude, lay it on me. And he's just filling up his fucking pallet. Hundreds of dollars worth of beer. We go up to the register. It was like $215 for all this beer. And then he just enters in some code and gives it to us for $5. $5. For the best craft beer in the world. is is amazing. So, yeah, needless to say, I had a great time in Seattle. Um, and, yeah, like I said, they let me stay for a month, dude. Without, I mean, I didn't pay them shit. They gave me all the beer I could drink. They cooked great meals every night. It was a fantastic situation. Um, so shout out to my friends in Seattle. Thank you, Michael, for letting me stay with y'all. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, when I was in Seattle, Biden won the election. And, you know, Seattle, it's like the most liberal city in the fucking country. So they were losing their minds. There was a parade. People were drought drinking in the streets. All of a sudden, COVID did not exist. <laughs> it was fantastic, man. Uh... Yeah, at the parade, I, like, saw Antifa there. They were, like, there to keep the peace and control the crowd and whatever uh, propaganda you want to believe. But they were there, you know, trying to, like, intimidate people and shit. But they were actually chill. It was fine. Um, they were just there, just keeping guard, I guess. And that was in Chaz, the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. So that was, like, the area in Seattle where... Antifa was like controlling shit and they didn't let police in. Dude, they had taken over the police station. I I don't remember. I think it was like, you know, summer of 2020, all that madness. Antifa took over a police station. They kicked out the police officers out of their own station. So when I went there, it was November of 2020, a few months after, and the police station was completely barricaded. All the windows were boarded up. They had like traffic, I don't know, I don't know what they're called. They're like the big cement traffic things in front so people couldn't get in it was nuts dude i did not feel safe there (laughs) seeing all that shit i was like dude what the fuck is gonna happen tonight you know during the election god forbid if trump had won dude that would be a shit storm but luckily biden won so um yeah the parade the party was amazing and then next my final stop on my trip was portland oregon i went to go see my friend kyle I didn't have much of a plan for Portland. I just wanted to see Kyle and like drink some good beer and eat some good food. Uh, Portland's a very expensive city though, so I felt a lot of pressure to not stay very long. But beer was very good, food was very good, I gotta say. Weather was shit, weather was complete shit. It was December of 2020 and uh, it just rained every day. It was like this shitty little drizzle. It was horrible. Probably the worst weather I've ever experienced in my life. It wasn't even really cold. It wasn't even really rainy. It was just like kind of cold and kind of rainy the whole time. It was just infuriating. I can see why everyone is so angry there. Leading me to my next point, I went to an Antifa thing. Antifa had taken over a whole street block in protest of a family that was being evicted. The family hadn't paid their rent. The family had uh, committed hit and run and that's why they were bankrupt and they couldn't pay their rent. They killed some old lady and 
went to prison and couldn't pay the rent, but they were Native American. Oh, so it's their land and you can't evict them. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense, Antifa. So Antifa had taken over this whole block. They had blocked off the police. They had like little skirmishes with the police every few nights. Tear gas and fucking riot shields and Molotov cocktails, dude, it was nuts. So I see this on Twitter. It's called like the Red House Autonomous Zone, they're calling it, or, Ch- or whatever the fuck. I don't know. It's Antifa. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> dude, so I see this thing on Twitter, and it looks terrifying. They had like blocked off a few street blocks. You know, they had put up like all these fences and barricades and like, I don't know, dude. I'll, I'll, I'll attach a few pictures. That was my first um, YouTube video. That was my first YouTube video. I went there with this camera and interviewed people in Antifa and walked around and tried to do some some journalism. Uh, I think it's a great video. I'll link it in the description. But yeah, the, the people did not like my camera, dude. They, uh, they thought I was a narc. They thought I was a fed. They thought I was like a sleeper agent or whatever the fuck. They hated press. They hated cops. Uh, it was a very hostile environment. Uh, I mean, most people, you know, they met well, right? They were trying to do the right thing, but just, uh, yeah. I don't think I'll do that again. <laughs> Didn't feel very safe. Uh, but yeah, that just showed me like how fucking crazy our country is, man. Like not only how crazy Portland is, how like psycho and deranged people are there. You know, like the ultra far left is just nutty as fuck. But also our country, man. Our country was in shambles. I mean, think about it. Like the George Floyd protests, um, you know, leading into, I don't know, that Antifa thing. It just, it was a weird time, dude. COVID, nobody trusted each other. And I just felt like, you know, I was, you know, you could argue it was a bad time to travel with COVID and like all the unrest and shit. But I'm, I'm grateful for my time on the road because I saw... How fucked up this country is, dude, or how fucked up it was, at least, when I was when I was driving across it. Um, nobody trusted each other. Everybody thought they were right about COVID. Everybody thought they were right about police brutality. I don't know. People were just very, like, uh, self-righteous. And I might lose you guys right here, but especially people on the left. People on the left were very self-righteous. People in Seattle, people in Portland... Um, they were not friendly people. They were not cool to be around. They, uh, they're angry at a lot of people, especially white guys. They don't like the whites there. It's cool to be black. It's cool to be Native American. It's not cool to be white there. Uh, especially in that Antifa zone, bro. God damn. Like, I tried to interview one guy. I was like, hey, why are you here? Like, he was in Antifa. And he was like, oh, well, I'm going to let the uh, BIPOC speak for me, the people of color basically so as a white man i should not be speaking at an event like this and i was like god damn bro (laughs) what is happening (laughs) so yeah anyways and you know not just the antifa people but i mean really it was like my experience on the west coast like seattle people portland people people in california southern california northern california people are cool people in southern california just real uptight about the COVID stuff. And like, I get it. Like, it's okay to like value your health and want to be safe. That's completely fine. But when you start being a cunt about it, that's when I'm like, all right, you're just using COVID as an excuse to be a cunt. 
and I don't like you, and that's that. And I found that to be the case more so with liberal people. Um, yeah, I just came I just came out of that experience thinking like, man, conservative people are pretty fucking cool. They're pretty laid back about shit. They let you say what you want, you know? They're not going to berate you for not wearing a mask. Like, it's cool. They're friendly. People at the Trump rally were cool. People in bumblefuck Utah were cool. Those Mormons were cool. People in Texas were cool. But Portland, Seattle, not cool. People are angry there. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, what else? I think that's it, guys. I think we're almost done. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, um, that was my, my trip across these great 50 states. Had a great time doing it. Um, like I said, I didn't have the camera at the time. It would have been, you know, a little more immersive if I could show you footage. But there is my first ever content on YouTube is the Antifa stuff and then driving across the continental U.S. in 10 days. I drove home over the span of 10 days to go home for Christmas. So check those videos out. I'll link them at the end of this. You can see how I started on this journey of being an influencer and changing lives. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching another one. Thanks for watching to the end. I appreciate you. Much love. And uh, yeah, see you in the next one. Peace.